Episode of No BS with Brian and Susan. Episode 11. We're turning it up to 11 today. <laughs> it is Thursday. Throwback Thursday. Oh my gourd. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the host with the most that I'm throwing. I'm, I'm throwing vibes her way in the back of the classroom. I'm throwing the spitballs. I'm making her laugh. The class clowns are two of us. Susan Stevens, what's up? Hey, good to be back. <laughs> it is good to be back. You know, we, we've, got, we've been away for a little hiatus, a couple weeks, but we're coming back with a good episode. Susan, yeah. what's up? Nothing much. I'm excited. Well, I don't know if I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode because I love that we're going to get to talk about teachers and school just because I know everything that's going on right now. I feel I feel so much for the teachers right now. <laughs> right, right. No, it's a insane time. We're going to get into it. But this episode is called Schoolhouse Podcast, a little, <laughs> a little uh, joke on Schoolhouse Rock. But we're going to be talking about schools and film, our main event, schooling, school, best best teachers, worst teachers in uh, movies, the schools that we liked in movies. I think it's right up Susan's alley because I know one of her favorite movies is Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. and it has to do with a school. I get <laughs> it. But yeah, we're going to be talking about all that fun stuff. Of course, we have our blind watch and our honorable mentions later on in the show. But first, we're going to get to a little uh, updates in the movie and TV realm. Susan, start us off. Well, uh, I'm, it was announced, I think it was this week, about how Mulan and Black Widow are going to be released on Disney+, Plus, but it is going to be for an extra fee of $30, uh, so you have to get the subscription and then you'll pay the extra $30 to, to watch both of those. Um, I'm okay with it. I know you're not as crazy about this. How are you okay with this? Because they're taking a huge hit, Brian. They're not going to make any, they're not making the amount that they were going to make. And then think about it this way. Most people who are watching Mulan, they were going to take their kids. That is a family film. You, if you take, a, if you're a family of four at the very least, even a family of three, if it's just three of you, that's, that's a movie ticket right there. That's 10 bucks a person. And then you're saving a ton of money on um, concessions and things like that. So, I mean, I honestly, most people at this point too have Disney Plus. They already have it. So it's not like a lot of people are going to have to go out of their way to purchase a subscription. So I honestly, I'm not, I, I, if anything, I'm just bummed I won't get to see it in the theaters, but I understand. So, and I mean, who knows? We may be lucky enough to get a, a screener link or, or code or something. Interesting. Interesting. You're for this. I am absolutely not for this. So why are you so like mad about it? So it sets a horrible and terrible precedent of what these horrible biggest companies in the world try to fuck consumers out of their money when they're already paying for something. So Disney, arguably one of the biggest companies in the world that makes the most money and the greediest, whatever. So set that aside you pay for a service that delivers movies to you and now disney wants to charge you an exorbitant amount of price 
more than a Blu-ray or a 4K physical disc to rent a movie for 24, 36 hours. So if this goes well, like if they make a ton of money on this, this sets a precedent that Netflix or Hulu can do the same thing by releasing a big budget movie, like on top of your subscription. That is horrible. I hope everybody pirates this, like seriously, because Mulan, this live action movie is not going to be good. I'll tell you that right now. It's not going to have music in it. It's not going to have the dragon in it that everybody loves. I get it. They're doing something different, but that's kind of what everybody looks forward to in a, like, kind of like a movie. Um, and I just think it's horrible to charge at least charge $30 just to rent it for 24 hours or 36 hours, whatever it may be. And I think what Hulu, HBO Max, or Netflix, Amazon Prime have done and have shown that works is just release it exclusively to your streaming service and people will you know, purchase it, you know, we'll subscribe. It's just like the WWE network for pro wrestling, $9,999 a month, $9.99 a month, 10 bucks. And you get every pay-per-view, you get the whole catalog, you get the live pay-per-view, you get the live shows. They don't charge extra for it. And they don't charge with Disney plus, I guess if you're doing the $10 bundle, triple for a movie to rent, that is insane. I guarantee you that Disney Plus doesn't have near the amount of subscribers as Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime do. And even though Disney owns like Hulu, um, I do think that if they just released it and like, hey, you, the only way you could watch this is on Disney Plus, people are going to subscribe, even if it's for one or two months. You know, they're going to get that money. But it's different times. You can't go to the theater, even though people are trying to get us to go to the theater, but you can't like gouge people when you're already paying for a subscription service. It just, no. And that's why I'm very pro pirating this movie. Like it's crazy. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. And I, and I do worry about that too. If for some reason it like starts a trend with other subscribers, but I, I just don't see it being, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be this. I don't think it's going to make the money that they think they're going to make. So I actually, I'm, I guess I'm just not as worried about it, but I, I have to, I, I guess I sympathize with them because this whole thing just messed everything up. So I don't know what else they would, I guess they could do that. They could just release it exclusively to Disney plus and then have more subscribers. But I don't know. They're just, they're, they're already taking a huge hit. They're already taking a huge hit and they probably thought this was the way to go. And there is, by the way, there is music. It's just they're doing the score of like the music of like "Be a Man" and uh, right. or "I'll Make a Man Out of You" and uh, stuff. So I'm just saying, like a fifty billion dollar company or more is taking a hit of a hundred million dollars. Whatever, it's not. It's a drop in the bucket. And I know it's a business. The movie is a business. The movie biz. But mm-hmm. come on fucking wait and release it in theaters when we can all go back what's the big deal like i know you want to keep making movies but like make smaller movies and release them like what's the deal i do wish they would just wait i i I agree with that i wish they would just let it go and hold off huh oh yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i i wish they would just hold off and just wait until we can go to theaters comfortably again 
But I think because the Academy, which I don't know how they're going to, I guess we'll see come Emmys, uh, how they do this whole virtual award show. But I think because the Academy sent those new guidelines that you can do streaming, um, they're like streaming films are qualified now. Uh, they're thinking, well, let's go ahead and get in there and maybe we can get an Academy Award nomination. So Right. Because I think That's, as it lays this year, uh-huh. Bad Boy. Life is the biggest box office of the year. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Which I is awesome. Right. Which I, I like that movie. No, I, I thought it was good. Yeah, well, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and it just sucks that the two movies that are happening to are two uh, women-centric movies with Mulan and Black Widow. And we've all wanted Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, to have her big fucking movie in the Marvel Universe. It just sucks that this happened. And, like, don't... like. I'm all for it being released on Disney plus, but just don't mm-hmm. charge for it. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And Susan, I tell you, if you, you have too much faith in actual big corporations, they're <laughs> not here to make you happy. They're there to fuck you out of your money. And every <laughs> single one of them are. And I tell you, if this does well, every other streaming service will follow and it will be terrible. I mean, it's a fair, it's, I, I will be annoyed if that is the case. And I, I, I was a little, I don't know. I guess I just don't, for some reason, I'm glad it's Mulan first because I don't know. I just don't know. You, you said that the, the movies that are on demand right now, they're not, they haven't been doing well, right? No, like I, I looked up, you know, the King of Staten Island, which is Judd Apatow movie, which his movies usually make over a hundred million dollars, yeah. not more. Uh-huh. And just because... I mean, nobody wants to pay. I mean, I think that movie was 20 bucks. 20. And it's crazy. Nobody's going to fucking do that. Like, just release it to Hulu, Amazon, or Netflix, or HBO Max, Mm -hmm. and do the subscription. People are going to watch it. Netflix has already showed how many people watch it. And people will subscribe to you. Just don't charge extra for it. It does not make sense. And if you're going to do it... Have the twenty dollar, the nineteen ninety nine for purchase. Like just release it and purchase. Yeah, it. separately. Like so you the can way own it forever, uh-huh. and then I get the twenty dollar price point. But to rent it, that's horrific. Yeah, so I guess that's why I think that's why I'm not as worried because I know that these uh, on the man films have not been doing well money wise, and I think that's why Disney's Mulan is trying it this way because they're there's like oh well, what if we do it like it's exclusively for like maybe entice people who already have disney plus so but i, I, I fail I, and i hope it gets pirated to the moon and back it probably <laughs> will well they're, they're like i said they're not gonna i don't know because people are gonna have if they do purchase it you bet your ass there's gonna be people who are gonna have like 20 people at their house watching that movie like oh save me money like for sure for sure yeah I, exactly i just I really hope my my good people at the Pirate Bay are, um, put it all on there and release it. Like that's like my hope, just I to show see. them that's why this exists. It wouldn't exist if companies wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't want to encourage pirating, but I just I I hope that they take a lesson with this and they they learn that okay maybe it is maybe it will be more beneficial to them to just make it just well honestly i think i i think they should just hold off i really do i that would be my number one choice is hold off completely until we can just watch it in a theater 
Right. No, I, I agree. I well, just hold off. I mean, yeah. if we all held off and stopped doing stuff for a few months, we yeah. would probably stop this thing and we could go back. But yeah. it's not the case in America. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, that's the, that's the big news. Uh, mm -hmm. Disney's on the forefront, uh, on the front line, trying this out, which it's not. Hopefully it doesn't do well because I am scared out of my fucking mind if it does work and then everybody else is going to be like, oh, you want the new Michael Bay movie or you want the new Spielberg movie? 30 bucks on Netflix. You know, fuck you. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm such a big proponent of physical media because I don't have to worry about streaming companies doing stuff like this. Mm -hmm. That I always have a copy here and I can always put it in. I agree. Saying. I agree. I like physical more too. Yeah. We're, we're, we're both analog like that. You, you <laughs> with your, your turntable and vinyl records. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I love my record player now. Uh, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> let's move on to um, kind of like similar type of thing happening. So HBO Warner brothers and DC comics uh, had huge, gigantic gargantuan layoffs uh with almost 600 people at their offices they're all kind of part of the same um the same company had huge layoffs mostly in their home video departments and mm -hmm. as well as disney so disney has announced since we were just talking about disney disney has actually has not announced but the writings on the wall that they're not making any more physical copies of movies the last two being releasing this month, which I think is Hocus Pocus 4K and something else. Uh, but if anybody who's following home media or like 4Ks and Blu-rays, um, within the last month or two, Disney has released 4K Star Wars movies and 4K Marvel movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with zero promotion absolutely zero promotion and almost uh -huh. no press releases to the uh, writing press such as Susan and I they just straight up and released it with nothing to say I and there's a lot of wire in the wall saying like oh they're they're trying to get everybody to do Disney plus so oh. which sucks because I like yeah. my 4k options but there's so much since Disney bought um 20th Century Fox there's like no plans to release anything of any of that on Blu-ray or 4K. What about Minus, just regular DVD? No, no? nothing, no, just okay. digital. And the exception to the rule is James Cameron movies because they're doing Avatar. And so oh. we might see Abyss and True Lies on something, but uh -huh. other than that, we're not seeing that. And I think that is what's happening with Warner Brothers and DC Comics and HBO. So DC Comics, a lot of their statue and toy making people were laid off. HBO and Warner Brothers, I think we're going to start to see that as well pretty soon, which sucks because, you know, like Susan said, there's nobody seeing the movies. They're not making the hundreds of millions of dollars in the summer to, mm -hmm. I guess, sponsor any of this. But, you know, hopefully we can get it back to that because yeah. we're just... But as I was talking with our friends, Preston and Cole, I think the very small boutique Blu-ray companies, such as Scream and Shout Factory, Criterion and Arrow Video, who are mm -hmm. releasing some really cool shit in collector's yeah. editions, I think those are gonna be the next big normal studios to release movies, physical yeah. copies at least. So happy for that. Yeah. Um, so here's, ho here's hoping, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's very strange, right? 
Yeah, I don't like that. I love my DVDs. I love my, I, I still have a lot of VHSs too. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, it's uh, so you still have VHSs. So you, you, Preston, and Cole are all in the VHS realm. I have a like a serious collection of Disney VHSs, like and in like the original boxes and everything. And I will never get rid of those. Like, and do you still have a VCR? I do. I have a VCR. Yeah. Oh, dude, look at you. You, yeah. you, Preston and Cole should start shopping for VHS because they definitely still do. They, well, yeah, no, they are serious collectors. Like <laughs> Preston will find something in like the shop and be like, oh, I gotta have that or whatever. But like, I just love my VHS. I don't think I've ever gotten rid of my VHSs. Like I keep them all. So just, the, but they're so nostalgic for me. And uh, I like showing them to my like niece and nephew. Like they're like, it's so funny when I like show like pick a Disney movie. Like, wait, what is this? How does this work? Like, yeah. what do you, you gotta, like rewind and fast forward? Yeah. How does this fit into your phone screen? Yeah. They're like, what is that? So Where's I have, the connector? I have awesome, yeah. I have a nice, um, we actually have two at my parents' house. My old one's there, but a, like a double, it's a VHS and DVD player. It's great. Nice. Look at that. I like that. Uh, oh my goodness. That's so funny. Um, all right. So that's happening. There's bad news with all that stuff. Let's move on um, to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So we all know Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the great mm -hmm. TV show with Will Smith. Um, so I guess a year ago, a dude made a trailer, a fan-made trailer that's a remake of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air set as a, like, I guess a TV series. And, but it's a, the tone is completely different. It's a very dark and very dramatic uh, tone to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And it's mm -hmm. like a new updated take takes place present day. And the trailer's about four minutes long. And I watched it. I don't know if Susan watched it, but I guess Will Smith saw it and Jada saw it. And uh, they are in yeah. business with this guy and they are shopping it around to the streaming services to get this made into a TV series because they like it so much. So that's happening right now. So the trailer, I, I saw it, but Susan, did you watch it? Yeah, I did. Wait, so you're saying that trailer that you sent me, that was just a fan made thing? Yeah, it was a fan made trailer. Oh, okay. It looked legit. It looked no, real. No, it, it was. Yes, it does. So there's not like a TV show out for it right now. That was just a fan-made okay. trailer that I think Will and Jada were like, dude, there's potential in this. Let's okay. get an actual series made. And mm -hmm. all in. So they got a writer that um, wrote for The Wire on HBO and The Man in the High Castle. Mm -hmm. so, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow who is going to write the show um, along with the creator who did this um, uh -huh. trailer. But mm -hmm. when you watch it, were you just like, Oh my God, this is actually, I, I want to watch this version of it. Yeah. Well, no, I thought it was real. I thought, I thought it was a movie. Like they were pitching a movie. And so I was like, Oh, I would absolutely watch like a movie version of this. And I, that makes sense because there was some questionable acting in some of the scenes. So I was like, not from like the main people, but some of the side characters, I was like, Hmm, I don't know how this is gonna be, but uh, no, I was I was in it. Like, I mean, I love Fresh Prince of Bel Air, so that would if they did it very like. I think what I like is if you actually listen and pay attention to the words of the the like intro song, 
And it's, there's like a scary, dark thing that actually happened to him. Like he got jumped by guys and they need to move you to Bel Air so for your safety. So when they spin it as a drama, you're like, that actually makes more sense than a comedy. <laughs> it's, I love that it was a comedy, but it would be, yeah. I, I get it for them to make it like that. Right. So, I mean, it was a, you know, 90 sitcom and mm-hmm. like in a lot of 90 sitcoms, they had several episodes where it's kind of serious, but there would they would bring in the comedy for, you know, to not make people feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. It's the time to get uncomfortable. And definitely, uh, I think there is going to be a mix of comedy here, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really show in the trailer too much. Yeah. But I mean, it looks, it, it looks fantastic. Like I am in, because if you look at Fresh Prince, like Susan said, it's actually kind of like a dramatic thing like it's not like it's supposed to be funny no. like yes it's kind of almost a beverly hill billy's type of thing where you know yeah. street kid moved to the fancy in beverly hills you know in bel-air and stuff like that in like a fish out of water type of scenario but if you take a look at it like that's some crazy stuff right yeah no no and then like i mean and if you actually watch the series there were very like there were some serious moments like you know police police racism kind of stuff and uh just <clears throat> like the 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 time will got shot and things like that so i don't know i mean it makes sense but i i would rather them just make it a movie i don't think they need to drag it out to make it a whole dramatic series to be honest uh we'll see like i'm i'm curious if like they could do it in like a mini series like 10 episodes and they're done Okay, that would be okay, too. I just wouldn't want them to try to drag it out and have... I don't want them to try to recreate the series that we saw as a drama. I don't think that... Yeah, would... I don't think they'll go episode by episode. I think they'll okay. take, like, big moments and maybe yeah. the first season, maybe eight or ten episodes, and maybe that's it. Yeah. But, I mean, I could see... Because in the show, there was high school and college. Yeah. So maybe they could do two seasons with that, but... Yeah, I'm with you. I don't need it to go on for five or six seasons. Exactly. Know? I'm like, that. I would be fine with either a movie or a miniseries is fine too. Mini-series. Yeah. I, I feel like with a movie, if it's like two hours, it wouldn't be enough time. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. A miniseries, maybe like eight episodes tops, 10, whatever, and just be done. Don't try to, don't, because that is my main worry is if they're like, oh, we can make this as few seasons because look at what the show was. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a difference with comedy and what you're trying to do. And also with the show that we already like loved. That was right. Don't try to be a copycat and just, we'll just make it dramatic. Right. No, I'm, I'm in. And I hope mm-hmm. uh, like all of the uh, surviving actors and actresses of the original show kind of show up here and there, like in little cameo roles, not as their character, but like as yeah. somebody else, which yeah. I think would be kind of cool. I agree. I agree. That'd be awesome. So yeah, yeah, let's go. Look, check out the uh, trailer. It's just called Bel Air. And mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God, I want to see this now. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to a little bit of a uh, little bit of more fun news. Chris Pratt, Katherine Schwarzenegger. They have a kid now. What's happening? Yeah, yeah they just welcomed their new uh, baby girl, their daughter. <laughs> so uh, I think a they new may Star be Lord? New Star Lord, yeah. Uh, I just was, I was happy for them. I mean, I think he still like, you know, made a mention to his son Jack just to make sure people know that he's not like forgotten about his son either with Anna Ferris. Right. So, do you 
I oh, fuck. I really want to know. I want to be there with an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Chris Pratt dinner conversation. You know, family thing. <laughs> that's what. That's really what gets me is that he's part of the Schwarzenegger family. Like, but Arnold's a goofy dude, and so is Chris Pratt. Like, I would just imagine just constant comedy. Yeah, constant. I I wonder how many times he says, "I'll be back." Like, I really, really feel like that is a hot, like a running joke. And uh, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm sure I would, I didn't look into is, I don't know how many kids uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has. This would not be, I'm sure he's already been, I'm sure he's already a grandfather. I don't know how many. Um, I, I, maybe he might have two or three. Okay. I can't remember, but yeah, I, I'm excited about good, good for them. Happy for them. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a nice little, like, happy news among, you know, the pandemic and stuff. So, congratulations. Congratulations. Uh-huh. And what was the kid's name again? Oh, I do not remember what they named her. That's actually a good question. I know his son's name is Jack. Did they Jack? say? I'm assuming they did, actually. I would imagine they said something about what the little girl's name is. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor. That'd be so yeah. great. <laughs> Oh, it says there, okay, uh, has a thoughtful family tie. Lila, Lila Maria Schwarzenegger Pratt. Woo, that's a mouthful. Lila is pretty. Um, it's I mean, Maria? Maria is her mom's name. Yeah, Maria Shriver, right? Wait, her, I, I don't I always knew her as Maria Schwarzenegger. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, I think it's... I'm looking this up right now because I want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe she was known as, uh, am I? Yeah, Maria Shriver. Because they were okay. married in 1986 and got divorced in 2017. But yeah, Shriver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maria Shriver. So yeah, okay. So that's why they named it after her. Um, but Lila, I don't know where Lila comes from. Lila. All right. I like that name. Lila's Lila. pretty though. That's a pretty name. So she has four or five names. What is that? Okay. Okay. Lila means night in Arabic and is considered to be a fast rising version of Lila with spelled L-I-L-A, but her name is spelled L-Y-L-A. Cool. And then yes. So yeah. So Maria to give uh, credit to her mom. Schwarzenegger is still in there. Schwarzenegger Pratt. So four names. All right. Oh, yes. Of course you want the Schwarzenegger name. It'll get yeah. you to yeah. restaurants easily. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Pratt's not there yet. <laughs> it's not his well, last Pratt, name. you're like, you're like, oh, I, my last name's Pratt. You're like, oh, that could be anybody. But not well, many people have Schwarzenegger as a last name. You, and you also don't want to be tied to Spencer Pratt from like the hills who fucking <laughs> sucked. <laughs> I'm like, that's like who you don't want to be. They're like, ugh, you related to that nasty hills dude <laughs> yep yeah schwarzenegger all right all right congrats to yeah. uh chris and schwartz uh arnold and Catherine and everybody that's a uh, good news there good news yeah all right so we we talked about that um let's talk about um the the weekly the episodic update on the bachelor the bachelorette yeah. Uh, well, just uh, they're still filming right now, but news broke out that Claire Crawley, who they were hyping up as like the oldest bachelorette, like I think I don't know if she's 39 or 40 still, but they were like giving her such praise and so happy about her. 
uh, well, two weeks into production, apparently she wanted to stop because she's already found her one. She wants, she's like, I'm it. This is it. I'm done. Uh, which is crazy because, you know, you sign a contract. You tell them the and like, Don't you get money for that, for just going yeah, through it? Yeah, you do. You do. I think uh, leads get paid $100,000 to be the lead. Jesus. Yeah. And so, uh, which, I mean, they all always said, like, she was the bachelor that people are like, she's going to, she knows what she wants. She's not going to waste any time. So, Okay. I don't blame her for that. I will say, and I don't know everything. Obviously, it'll all be unveiled when the season airs, but all these men came down there getting COVID tests three times a week, giving quarantining, giving up their lives to specifically go for her. Like everyone knew it was her that was going for her. And this guy, uh, I guess Dale Moss is his name. Apparently, the rumor is he reached out to her in March. And they've been having a relationship and almost practically already in love before the show even happened. So if that's the case to where they already built a relationship and then she went on the show and met him and in two weeks she's like, forget it, y'all. I'm already in love with this guy. That's just disrespectful to the men that were there that you didn't really give them a fair shot. Like, why'd you even go? Why didn't you just meet up with this guy and give it to somebody else in the first place? Are the producers like letting her get away with it? So, uh, I don't know all the details, but I think they, they, they are, um, I don't, I don't know exactly how it all went down, but they have a backup bachelorette. So now Tasha Adams, who is, I mean, in, so bachelor franchise has been criticized a lot about not being diverse enough and they've only ever had one African-American lead, like that's it. And so then they like did that kind of like quick reaction to announce their first black bachelor already and then so we have that matt james and Tasha, she's black too and so the fact that they picked her right away after what happened with claire is a good sign to show like okay they're keeping up with diversity so that there's a positive there um so she was apparently like quarantining i just don't know so she's been quarantining getting her COVID test she's down there she's going to fill in for claire after like she's already gone she's with this dude engaged uh, we'll see how that unfolds, and because she that she had like four weeks left, they don't have enough for the show, so they're they're gonna show it all. I don't know how. I can't wait to see how this goes. My only question is, does Tasha get a new batch of guys, or does she get the leftovers that were like, well, we were here for Claire, but we'll take you. <laughs> like that's insane. I know. It's I mean, it's. It mm -hmm. seems like it would be good for like ratings to yeah. do something like that. So maybe that's why they thought about that. It's like, oh, this would be crazy for ratings. It's never happened before or something like that. The, that is the one thing about The Bachelor. Chris Harrison always says this is the most dramatic season. And we're always like, whatever, Chris. And somehow it really is. Somehow every season <laughs> something happens that you're like, what the fuck? How did this happen? And and like everyone was talking about how this will be very tame. This is going to be more mature. It's just going to be like five weeks of this mature woman, no drama. And this shit happens. And you're like, all right, well, another most dramatic. This has never happened before in the show. So they're like, great. Let's bring in, um, let's bring in Claire. Or let's bring in Tasha and see how this goes. So I can't wait. Uh, I just, I hope it's fair to. At this point, I actually just really hope it's fair for Tasha too, because I, I I don't want her to get screwed and guys talking about yeah I was here for Claire, but like I don't even want Claire to be mentioned to her like constantly by these men. So, 
my oh my i need to start watching this you seriously okay this one is going to be a shorter season i really think you should give it a go if you can stomach it i know okay. trevor can barely like walk past it i'm so. gonna watch it just so i can talk with you about it on here we'll be see. fair don't be like this is us don't be like this is us and be like this is dog shit and blah blah blah. <laughs> like it's already like i know it's not quality television brian i know that but it is so entertaining <laughs> <laughs> hey, that brings up our next thing. I think I might like it because I really like Big Brother and I hate admitting okay. it, but I like Big Brother. And it mm -hmm. just started last week, a uh, new season. I can't, uh, oh, this, is, this is during COVID? Like, yes, is it, yes. Okay. So the, their first episode they did live and then each, um, uh, when they vote people out is live as well. So what... This season they did, which is the 22nd season, technically, they're doing an all-star season. So they have picked 16 people who have been on the show prior in the last 21 years mm -hmm. to all compete in the same way. So it was quite fun. So I'm not going to talk too much about it because you can go listen to Matt Mungle's podcast. Uh, we talked about it for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to do that weekly because somehow him and I both like the show. <laughs> I mean, I hear great things. I no, I, I, Susan, I know you would love it just because yeah. it, it's insane. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they, everybody was quarantined for I think a month or two and yeah. they all there's no live studio audience for when people are voted out or when they do the show. And everybody went in in groups of four. And so people from, you know, 15 years ago are on the show and then people from last season are on the show and everything in between. So mm -hmm. it's kind of fun to see that. Yeah. And uh, they have people who didn't win and people who've won like Big Brother once or twice before. And it's it's pretty funny. So the, this first week was really great where somebody got the head of household who's in charge kind of thing and who's safe for the week. Yeah. Who, who gets to nominate two people to go on the block to go home and to not win. And the, pe the two people he chose ended up being safe for winning a contest. And it was so great. <laughs> uh, and so he had to put two other people up on the block and it was, it was really good, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's ridiculous and stupid and silly, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, season just because uh, it'll be interesting. And uh, something that Matt and I touched on since kind of everybody has been on the show before. Yeah. There's been a lot of people who've gotten married and have kids. Uh -huh. And there's a lot of, if it's all strangers going into the house, there's a lot of hooking up. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if we're going to see something happen, you know? Yeah. People hooking up when they have families or girlfriends at home. Ooh. Watching. I'm, I'm assuming that happens a lot where people cheat too. Um, no, I, I guess a couple times I think, but most people who have families at home kind of stay true. Good. Uh, but you know, it's an interesting cast this year, so it's pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, and then I think our last bit of like news and update, Susan. Uh, really, it's just you know with the kids going back to school, it's it's been interesting this debate of should they do virtual learning or should they should kids be in school? And I, honestly, I don't even know the answer to that. I think teachers are the ones that should make the decision because they're the ones that have to do it and they should see what's 
what's working best for them and what they think will work best for the students. I, I actually was really curious what you think, Brian. Do you think kids should be going back to school in person or do you think they should be staying virtual? All 110% virtual. Definitely okay. don't take these fucking gross kids back to school because as we've seen before in the last few weeks, COVID outbreaks with sports and with schools opening, it's just, it's going to be a nightmare. And these poor teachers, these mm -hmm. poor fucking teachers, I hate it. I mean, I've been such a proponent for teachers and education for so long. Yeah. And I think how teachers need to be paid triple the amount that they get now at Agreed. least. Yeah. At least. And they get no help. They're the, they mm -hmm. have to supply their own school supplies. They don't get money from anybody. They, I mean, these are people who actually care about kids unlike kind of myself <laughs> and I could never be a teacher and it's yeah. uh the amount of patience and just, they just constantly get shit on by politics and mm -hmm. governments and it's they're putting their lives at like literally they putting are. their lives at risk and yeah. it is such a horrible move to open up schools because you're essentially putting thousands of people and gross kids in one little building yeah and it's not good unless they develop a system where you know everybody's enclosed in their own little cubby individual person but that's not sustainable you can't do that mm -hmm. and you know it sucks like it is going to suck but we need to get on top of this like this is something that's not going away and right. people are still dying every day and <laughs> if it were up to me it all still be canceled because until you know we got oh, on, until there were no cases confirmed like new zealand you know yeah it's just we can't it, it can't happen i mean i think good will come of this but mm -hmm. you can't open up schools like it's just not a good decision yeah well i think the sad thing is that certain people in politics have threatened to cut funding for the schools if they do not open up um which really pisses me off that like you would threaten teachers and schools that like instead of why don't you just give them more money to make virtual learning right, easier right, and possible right. how could you like how dare they say oh well if you're not gonna open up schools then you don't need the money or, or say appalling things like oh well if you're not gonna open up schools then we'll take funding away from the teachers and pay the parents Parents aren't the ones that are coming up with the lesson plans. They're not the ones that are grading and doing the work. Like, yes, parents are doing more work because they have to make their kids do the work. But, I mean, they got to make sure their kids do homework when they come home. Like, I, I'm not discrediting the work that parents have to do now, but you're not doing what teachers have to do. Right. No, the parents are not teaching the kids. They're probably sitting them in front of a computer or something yes. and like, hey, watch this and do right. this. Right. Yeah, they're, they're not, not having to be like, here, let me, oh, I got to create a lesson plan. Like, that is a lot of work to create lesson plans every day for yes, the kids. no, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's just kind of like, okay, now we need, to, we need to go back and we need to like, okay, we have to get rid of the no child left behind. We have to get rid of standardized testing. We have to get rid of mm -hmm. all of this stuff. Oh, I think standardized testing is, is going to be held off. They'll probably cut that again. But I, I, yeah, I just don't like, well, because of the budget cut threat, I'm worried they're, they're probably just going to be like, okay, well, we can't lose money. So we're probably going to have to go ahead and. 
And that's exactly what the current administration in charge of the U.S. wants. They want stupid mm-hmm. people. So yeah. it's very scary. But yeah. no, can't go back to school just yet. I would, it, it would be a national mandate. It'd be like, nope, virtual learning for now until there are no more deaths. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll because see. they mm-hmm. literally, if every school opened, every high school, every middle school, every elementary school, hospitals would be overrun, you know, it would happen. Well, that's what I'm waiting for is that eventually what I think is going to happen and I could be wrong is that it is going to, everyone's going to go back and there's going to be this huge outbreak and they're going to be like, Oh shit, back up, back up. And yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, no, that's uh that is what I think is going to happen, which sucks. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, that's, that's our update. We, but we're going to keep in that same theme with schooling, but bring it to a much fun, a much more fun topic and area, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. Um, Susan, you know, you had this good idea. Why don't you take it away and explain it? Well, I just figured um, we could talk about what school was like for us and, you know, growing up, did we feel like we belong or were we part of any cliques? Like, yeah. So, so in general, what was, I guess we can talk more like high school, middle school, something like that. Like how, how was it like for you? Were you, do you feel, were you an outcast? Were you in, in popular or whatever? And then like, did you have any cliques? Um, you know, I think it's very strange. And it happened, I didn't have, so I think I was fairly picked on in middle school. Really? Yes. Picked on, okay. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, I had my friends, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't definitely popular by any means. Um, But in in high school, I didn't have like a clique. Like I was involved in marching band, student council and theater. Um, you didn't counsel. Yes. And I kind of, and then I had BBYO, my Jewish youth organization, like kind of like fraternities and sororities for like little Jewish teens. So that was like more social things. So I had several different groups that I could hang out with and I never stuck to one, but I was always like inclusive. Like I always hung out with everyone and was nice because that's what my parents taught me so I didn't have like a click where I was you know and I wasn't considered an outsider either but I had just I was kind of like you know you know how I am like do you think yeah you've seen me you know it's been a while but like in the theaters like I I say hi to everyone for the oh, most yeah, we part. We have a running joke. When Brian comes into a theater, it's like, we all make fun of him because he's like coming in and he's like saying hi to like every single person. It's like, oh, here comes Brian with his like, like, like he's like the president or something shaking <laughs> hands. Hey man. Hey, hey. Like, <laughs> he'll eventually get to us. <laughs> yeah, eventually. So that's kind of how it was in school. Like I'd have people you know I had like my really close friends that I you know hung out with daily but Mm -hmm. no I was you know I'd sit with everybody for lunch I didn't like sit with like just like one person really I would Mm -hmm. I'd have people you know Mm -hmm. so that was that was a little better and then in college the same way like it was really weird because I had like my core like you know like my partiers and I had like my nerdy friends my wrestling friends my movie friends like it was really weird and sometimes when I throw a party at college they'd all mix together okay <laughs> it was really weird <laughs> and really funny um 
but they did, you know, I just kind of like, I like to get around because I think different people in different groups normally wouldn't go outside their group, but I would. So, and that, cause I think everybody brings something to the table yeah. and mm-hmm. I kind of liked the variety of that because, you know, there is an aspect of me where I like going out to the bars every night, you know, and drinking. There's an aspect of me where I just want to stay home and watch movies and, or like talk about time travel with people. <laughs> and I can't do that with the people that go out to yeah. bars all the time. And then my pro wrestling friends, you know, it's just a, it was a whole thing. So that, that was me. But what about you? Yeah. Um, gosh, I was definitely made fun of more in like elementary school. I used to be made fun of a lot. What just for? More. Uh, because I was so skinny, honestly. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I was, it was like, I would cry. I would, I would get very picked on because it's just like, they would make fun of me and be like, oh, like I was, I was called spaghetti noodle and like, uh, just, oh, you do not eat. And it's like, it's like the opposite <laughs> because I ate a lot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's opposite. This chick eats like yeah, more than, food. yeah. It, it just. I don't know. I was like, I just wasn't growing up. Like I know I remember in kindergarten, actually, like, I don't think anybody played with me really. Like uh, I eventually like made, cause my friends weren't in like my class, but uh, I mean, I've always got along with people. I would definitely say that. And then by, I mean, it, no. And then it got better. It got better for sure in elementary school. And I had like friends, but um. Mm, I would say high school, as far as high school, I always had like a a group. I had my like strong group of friends and kind of like what you said, where I would, I could still be friends with everybody because I agree, like every single person in my life, like even every friend I have now, they bring something different. Um, But I was involved in high school. I was, I would, I don't want to say I was like popular, but I was in fire truck crew, which was our spirit crew, uh, senior year. So it was like six girls, six guys. And that's how I actually met a lot of my like closest friends that I am like friends with today. So like Holly, Andrew, Danny, my friend Chris. Uh, these are people like I'm still friends with today. Um, and then I have like my other friends uh, that I like. Like, it was weird. It's like, I had that. And then I would have lunch in the art room with another best friend, Kristen. And then I had my friends like Bellin and Candace who, I don't know. It's like that, like they were all just different. Um, but I also knew everybody. So it was, yeah, it was, it was like, I, I got along with a lot of people and it was, I always chalk it up to like, I always go back to can't hardly wait. Like, that like Preston character who everybody knew and didn't have like a problem with. And then uh, I was voted most friendly of my high school class. So. There you go. I was voted really? best in class. You were voted best in class? What, did that mean like you were like the best student or? No, I don't know what it meant. I think just best all around. It's in the yearbook though. And when I got that, I was like, what? Who fucking voted for me for this? It had to be some teacher or something. I don't know. But wow. Best that's no, it's best. I had a sachet and shit. Jeez, <laughs> that's like royal. Yeah, we didn't have, uh, we had a like, Mr. and Mrs. M- MHS, which uh, my friend Danny got Mr. MHS, which that I think is like best student like all around. But uh, yeah, no, I had like, I was, 
I did get a plaque for, I didn't miss a day of high school. So I had like perfect attendance in high school. I hated missing school. Um, but yeah, no, I was really involved. So I was in like national honor society. I was in theater. I was at like the thespian society. Um, I didn't do like student council or anything like that. I was in tennis. Oh, so it's like all those people are like different. I, I just remember being very involved in high school. So, uh, yeah. And, but fire truck crew was like my favorite thing to be a part of. And then come college, actually it was kind of weird because like senior year was like great. I loved senior year of high school and then come college. I had my tight knit of friends from high school. And then I like, I did meet like a new group of people in RTVF, but I don't know. I kind of felt like smaller in college. Uh, did I feel small? I didn't feel smaller. Like I took that Kansas over by storm pretty much. It was fun. But yeah, no, I, I mean, it was weird because like I said, going out to the bars and having my comic book people, like it was really weird. And like, mm-hmm. if you saw my apartment, um, like you'd walk in and there'd be like 5,000 DVDs just stacked up and then there'd be movie posters and then there'd be like Lord of the Rings, Arwen's sword. And then there'd be a Waffle House menu, like tape to the wall <laughs> and action figures everywhere and so I would imagine I wish I, I want to go back and interview the the women I was friends with and slept with or tried to get to sleep with when they walked into the apartment what they thought when they saw this weird shit on the wall it's like oh my god he has 10 he has a hundred action figures on his nightstand. <laughs> he has swords. He has, you know, Jay and Silent Bob movie poster. He has tons of movies. And I just, if I went into a girl's place and I saw that, I immediately in love. <laughs> wow. I did like to go to, so I just always stayed in a dorm. I always had a dorm, which I did have a lot of movie posters and celebrity posters. But if I went to a party, that was like the first thing I would look at is to go look at somebody's DVD collection. And I would always judge. That's what my friends would know me as. Like, I'm going to go and look at the DVD collection. I'll tell you who this person is right now. Like, you can tell so much about a person based on their DVD collection. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, I, I used to do the same thing. And back then, most people only had like 10 or 20 movies yeah they didn't have a lot a lot of especially guys guys did not have a lot of dvds they had like two little rows and i mean i always be like okay you've got somebody the most of the time they just had a bunch of action films and i was like because this is a guy's guy this is a guy yeah he's a dude don't worry we get it but if you saw like those like sensitive films like if like shawshank redemption was thrown in there or something like little miss sunshine something like that like okay he's got a little bit more depth don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I had over 5,000 DVDs. I really did. I had a database that I kept track of them. And I ever, and this was, I mean, it wasn't before Amazon, but it was kind of before Amazon. But I, every week I'd go to Best Buy and it was just constant purchasing of yeah. movies. And I, I mean, it, eclectic taste like I do now for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, even back then, Susan, I was into the weird, sick and twisted stuff. So. Oh God. Well, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> that would freak me out. I'd be like, Oh, run. Oh no. I, I remember trying to show my friends and a, a lot of girls like the weird shit that would come out and like have mm-hmm. movie night with the old, like rear projection, you know, 250 pound TVs that were like 45 inches, you know, <laughs> So funny, so funny to go back that. But yeah, that was uh, that was kind of like how I 
went. I, I feel like I really haven't changed that much because I still yeah. feel like I'm, I don't have like one little click. I have close friends, but I'm talking with everyone, sitting with everyone. Yeah, I don't feel like I have like a click anymore, honestly. Like, I just feel like I'm, I'm, yeah, I can be friends with everybody. I actually feel like, oddly enough, like, especially getting into this movie world, it's just so funny. I thought like after college, like whoever your friends are, that's it. And I never, especially, well, because at my job, I'm like one of the youngest people at the station. So like, I get along with everybody at the station, but there's nobody that I'm like, super like gonna be hanging out with outside of work kind of thing and so uh but getting into the film criticism biz like I'm like oh shit I just got like a brand new batch of friends here <laughs> so, uh yeah we mean, all all of us in the film critics like our close friends UI press and Cole we would yeah. still do that we would go to each other's house and go straight to the movie cabinet and judge <laughs> yeah yeah no for real for real so it's yeah, I don't know. I don't feel that much different. And and I mean, and, and honestly, I still, I did like college, but uh, it was because of my friends. I, I liked it. It was a different world. It was definitely a different world. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really feel, I always felt like I just, for the most part, just got along with everybody. But you I mean, I, you always have your closer friends. You do have your closer ones. Right, right. But I, I get that about you. You can be friends with anybody. Um, and I, and I got it said before we move on, uh, spaghetti noodle sounds like a term of endearment to me. Oh, it was not. It was, it was definitely not. not. It was very much meant to be made like as not a nice thing. I know, but I know which like I because I could picture Trevor yelling, oh, my little spaghetti noodle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just calls me petite. That's what I'll be like. You're so petite. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't mind that, but it's like sweet. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it was, um, yeah. And then, I don't know. And then, I mean, not to get like all whatever, of course. I, I was made fun of for my looks too sometimes in elementary, so. Right. No, oh, no. I, I, of course I, I've shit through yeah. college as far as like being Jewish, but we won't go into that. Uh, yet. I, yeah, get, I, get yeah, like, I get it. I get it. We all have our different. It's like, we don't want to go that dark there people, but it's like, yeah, I wasn't exactly. It's like, if you're not like some really hot piece of shit, sometimes it's not the easiest. <laughs> right. Right. I, yeah. I get it. All right. What's up next on our schooling, our main event. Um, all right. So, uh, Going on to food, what was some of your favorite school lunches, both from the cafeteria and what did you like to bring from home? Okay, so I did I did a bit of both. I would say 50-50. So okay. definitely elementary school Fridays was chili, and the goddamn chili oh. was so good. Get some chili, some crackers, and some chocolate milk. Uh -huh. Damn, Fridays was good. Um, I don't remember too much middle school, but high school was a little back and forth of bringing stuff from home and eating there. So chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, green beans, and gravy over everything. And I, d I remember how to fucking order it to Jesus. I was like, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, gravy on both, roll green beans. <laughs> like that's how I remember saying it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I love that. I never, I mean, I ate like the rectangular pizzas, but they weren't always great, but yeah. I, I definitely ate them. And then I think they had steak fingers, fried steak fingers, which were really good. Other than that, I don't remember eating too much at the cafeteria. And so when I would bring from home, it was usually like turkey, lettuce, 
and some sort of cheese, you know, sandwich. And it was never really ham. I think it was turkey, lettuce, and cheese, mayonnaise, mustard, uh, sandwich, and then um, Doritos and a banana, and most likely a bottled water or a soft drink, because that's when I was yeah. back drinking soft. Oh. And that was like the gym. Oh, and a, probably a candy bar or cookies at my. So it was like a full, it, it was kind of like the Emilio Estevez lunch, but less in the <laughs> breakfast club. <laughs> you didn't have three sandwiches? No, no. I, I packed tons of fruit or yeah. a whole bag of chips and three or four sandwiches. <laughs> no, I wish. Oh my God. Yeah, I agree. Well, great call on the steak fingers because I forgot about that. That was one of my favorites were the chicken fried steak fingers with mashed potatoes and a roll. I didn't eat gravy back then, but now I would absolutely do the gravy. Uh, but Why I, didn't you eat gravy? I don't picky. I was so picky as a kid. Like I was a very picky eater. Now I've like brought in for sure. I'm more, even just when I started dating Trevor, he opened me up even more, but I, I didn't, I already, I started eating gravy closer to, I've, I've been in high school actually, but in elementary, I was very picky. Um, I kind of agree with you with the pizza because I'm actually very turned off by the, what I didn't like was the pizza was those, the pepperoni was those cubed weird Yeah, pepperoni. it wasn't like real pepperoni. Mm, it actually makes me sick thinking about it. It's so gross. I don't like <laughs> it, it. If you could see Susan right now, she's gacking. <laughs> like, this is so disgusting. It's like the cheese wasn't like thoroughly cooked and it was like doughy, so yeah, I get. Oh yeah, I know. It does not sound good right I now. I still ate it, but I was like, eh, I gotta eat, so I guess might Same. as well do this. Same. I still ate it, but I'm like, uh, and now the thought, like one time we got frozen pizza that had some. It was we didn't know it was regular pepperoni and the diced pepperoni. I told Trevor, I was like, I can't eat it. Like, I will not eat these weird cubed, nasty little pepperoni bites or whatever the bit. It's like pepperoni bits or yeah. something. It's like bacon bits, but pepperoni. It was gross. Yeah. It just like brings back not good like memory of that. Because I wasn't, honestly, it wasn't good pizza. But I like the chicken nuggets too. uh, So chicken nuggets were good as well because I liked it with, I remember liking the barbecue sauce and the mashed potatoes. And then corn dogs, especially in middle school. We had such good corn dogs. I forgot about the corn dogs. (laughs) They were, corn dog was great. Like that was, that was such a great lunch. Um. And they would, that's when they would give you like the crinkle fries too, such a little bit of crinkle fries. But uh, those were probably my favorite cafeteria lunches. And then uh, when I got a bring lunch, it was like, I felt like a queen when I could bring a Lunchable. Like I loved bringing a Lunchable. It was amazing. I love the pizza Lunchable. I love the nacho Lunchable. The, there was a hot dog one. Of course, I like the turkey and cracker one too. Um, but I was a big fan of Lunchables. Um, I really liked those. Do you remember those squeeze it, squeeze it bottles? Yes. Holy God. The purple fucking grape squeeze it bottle. Jesus. They are so good. So if we, and that was like a rarity because you only got six and they were kind of expensive back then. And they, they don't have the squeeze it's anymore. They have the Kool-Aid ones. Uh, but they're so tiny too, but I loved having one of those in my lunchbox um that and gushers any fruit roll up really but gushers was like i used to squeeze out all the stuff and then eat eat the gusher 
and then like lick the the ooze afterwards. You were like Ali Sheedy in Breakfast Club making some yeah. weird concoctions. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was so fun. But yeah, I mean that was oh, and then you said Doritos. I love when my mom would buy, and she still buys it to this day, the variety bag. Oh, the fun pack. Yeah, because it was always fun. I'd, I'd get to choose it. And it's so funny. Back then, I hated the – it was like the leftovers would always be the Lay's potato chips or like the plain Fritos. I'm like, I don't want that shit. And now I actually love like just regular Lay's potato chips. Right. No, that regular Lay's or regular Ruffles or regular um, Fritos, it literally mm-hmm. – there's only like two ingredients in it. And like if you go to like Doritos, it's like – a hundred ingredients in the yeah. Doritos that you don't need. But if you go like look at the back of a Frito or Ruffle or Lay's, mm-hmm. it's literally like oil and like sunflower oil and like potato and that's it. Yeah. Which is, you know, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that, that made me, that made me realize um, <laughs> I, I had used to have Capri Suns. Yeah. And so being Jewish it, during Passover, you weren't supposed to eat bread. Like you have to have matzah or unleavened bread. And I hated, my mother would always make matzah sandwiches. <laughs> and I fucking hated it so goddamn much. I don't, I, cause I was like, people would always ask like, what the fuck are you eating? And I'm like, man, I got this fucking gross ass turkey on this cracker that I have to eat. My parents are making yeah. me. Oh, and uh, another thing, they used to have pies, like they do in like, you know, like furs or uh luby's cafe oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. chocolate cream pie was always good so i'd always try to get that if i ate there uh, at the i don't remember a chocolate i remember like nasty looking cobbler shit and i was like get that away right and i I'll always remember there is the a couple kids that were my age who would they would have like a salad bar type of thing and the salad was like shredded lettuce yes and they would only get the shredded lettuce and that's it. No dressing, no toppings. And they would just eat the lettuce. That's like, and my, my mind at that age still was like, how are you not dressing this up? Yeah. <laughs> are you just eating a bowl of shredded lettuce? I don't get it. <laughs> I, I probably, I ate shredded lettuce. I, I remember that, but I would at least get the ranch. Actually, the school right. ranch wasn't bad. I remember. I think I liked it. Yeah, I don't. I, I I blocked it out. I guess I don't know, yeah. but I definitely did not get that. Uh, <laughs> oh, all don't you just want to get some of these steak fingers and mashed potatoes? I want it. I actually do want to try this, like a like cafeteria steak fingers and mashed potatoes, because at the time it was really one of the best school lunches, and I'm curious how it would be. Trevor and I we went to Dairy Queen. And he got the steak fingers like about a year ago or whatever. And he said he liked it because it reminded him of the school cafeteria. I would imagine it tastes like cardboard now, like bland cardboard horribleness. <laughs> so when I had a bite of his, then I didn't like it. I was like, this is like, yeah, it tasted, I was like, meh, like, I don't, yeah, I don't want I this. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I do want to taste one of those rectangular pizzas. And in my mind, I was like, why can't? Why could they not just make regular pizzas in the triangular triangular shape? It, like, it means, seems like it would be easy, but I guess that mean they were all frozen. They just shipped them out and heated them up and ew. Yeah. So there that you go. Yeah. Food wise. All right. What are we moving on to? All right. So now getting into a little bit more of the main event of it is uh, we, because we're talking about teachers and school, what are some of your, or who are some of your favorite teachers from film and television or you want to start with your favorite or the worst ones i don't know which ones worst or best you tell me you tell me 
Maybe we should do the worst and on a high note. Let's do the worst. Okay. The worst teachers that I, 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 have, I have a couple. Okay. All right. I am going to go with um, the, uh, the terrible uh, teacher from Battle Royale. Um, the movie Battle Royale. I don't think I watched that. Uh, Susan, it's a, it's so amazing. Japanese movie, and the teacher of this high school class sends their sends his students class to kill all each other, and he of course shoots them. Yeah, he's horrible. Uh, the other three that I have in mind is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, ben Stein Bueller. Is he so damn boring? <laughs> yeah, like, you take pride, like, voodoo economics, the laugher And at this point, it's like, can't you see your audience is just, like, not paying attention? Liven it up. Horrible teacher. Yeah, he's a bad teacher, um, for sure. And then also, I would say uh, Detective John Kimball from Kindergarten Cop, <laughs> who basically ran a kindergarten like a military. Yes, they were disciplined by the end, and yes, but, yeah, yeah not a good teacher. He, but okay. he was funny. And probably the worst teacher who I'd imagine you're going to say as well is that horrible, awful woman from Harry Potter. Um, oh, I have her on my list. Yeah. What's her Umbridge. Name? Yes, Umbridge. Horrible. Those are the ones that I uh, thought of uh, right now. Yeah, it's it's hard. To, it was actually harder to think of. Um, like, are you? Do you have any TV ones? Oh, TV ones. Um, bad TV ones. You know what? Give me a second on the TV ones. Uh, Here, I'll while say my go. movie ones. Yeah. Uh, so obviously I did have Umbridge, um, cause she is probably maybe one of the worst. So she was like fucking like physically abusive, but on that also in Matilda, Miss Trungebull. Uh, oh yes. Terrible freaking, I don't even know how that teacher got, I mean, I know the movie's like campy anyways, but like Throwing kids from their pigtails, the choker room, like what? Oh my a god! Bitch. Um, Matthew Broderick in election. <laughs> that he yes. is not a good teacher. He's not. Well, I mean, he was like so paranoid he was going to have an affair with Reese Witherspoon's character that he was going to rig the election. I'm like, dude, the hell. Um, Richard Vernon from The Breakfast Club, the principal. I mean he's not nice. He's terrible. Just the scene alone, whenever he pulls uh, Judd Nelson into the closet and just like is so horrible to him as unnecessary and practically like threatens to beat him up. Like, come on, dude, what happened to you? Yeah. Uh, and then Cameron Diaz and bad teacher, obviously the name says it all, but she was, she was terrible. And um, did you ever see teaching Mrs. Tingle? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, what a horrid bitch in that, too. She's not a good teacher. <laughs> She's awful. That's Hel Helen Miram, right? I think that was her. Yes. Yeah, terrible. Um, I, I, thought, I thought of some, uh, some TV ones. Okay, who are your worst TV? Worst TV would probably have to be um, Mr. Garrison from South Park. <laughs> Yeah. And Miss Krabappel from The Simpsons. I have her too. Yes. I was worried you're going to be like, she's the best. <laughs> no, there's an actually great teacher from The Simpsons. He's always only in one episode. It was Mr. Bergstrom. He was played by Dennis Hoffman uh, in The Simpsons. He was, oh, he was the yeah. one that really liked Lisa. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that was Dennis Hoffman. You're right. Oh my God. Dustin Hoffman. I know. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. No, no, no. You're right. That, that, 
it did. We watched that episode not too long ago, and he was a great teacher, and he didn't really like Lisa in an inappropriate way, even though she had a crush on him. Just right, like, right. And I would, I would also say Walter White from Breaking Bad, just because he might have been really smart, but I don't think he taught his class very well, and when he was teaching Jesse or anybody else, he was such a dick to everybody when he was teaching. Uh, I think he was a poor teacher. Uh, that's a good one too. I think for me, I have, I have Mrs. Krabappel because she literally is like, sometimes she's not even, she's like, well, her life sucks. It feels like she's, I don't know why she chose to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> from Glee, Sue Sylvester played by Jane Lynch. She's a terrible, like if there was a teacher like that for real, oh my gosh. Like she has her moments, but it does not compensate for, uh, the shit she does. And, um, there's, so did you ever watch Say by the Bell, the college years? Yeah. 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 I cannot remember his name, but the professor who ends up having like a relationship with Kelly. Oh yeah. He's always, and he's always playing a professor. That actor literally always plays like a horrible person. He's always this like <laughs> shitty teacher. He's like a shitty professor. Cause he was in, I think he was in Veronica Mars too. Yes, and yes. he was, he was a professor that was not good. And I think he like is labeled that, but I just, I was like, dude, you are having a, like, I don't think they had sex, but the fact that he was even dating Kelly as a college professor, like don't date your students, people. That's not okay. And going on that, uh, Dawson's Creek, Mrs. Jacobs or Miss Jacobs, who had the full on affair with Pacey, uh, Joshua Jackson's character. I think they no, they definitely had sex. Um, and then he was in high school. He was in high school. I think he actually lost his virginity to her. Um, oh that's like a or, fantasy for people. Well, that it was. That's and that's so funny because back then, I mean, maybe they still do it now. He was. It was like he fell in love with her. He was like, it was a fantasy. It was like, ooh, you go, man. Which I'm like, if the roles were reversed and it was a male teacher and that was a girl who was like 16 years old doing that, that would not be as glorified there. Right. So, but yeah, it was like almost. I, I mean, watching it, there were times where you almost rooted for that relationship. So. It was, it was, it was, it was inappropriate. Not a good teacher. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I guess going on. So who are your, who are your best teachers? Okay. Be best teachers in film. Um, I've, I've got to say some people might disagree, but I would have to go with JK Simmons. Um, oh, are we doing movies or TV? You can do movies, both of them. Both of them. Okay, okay. So, um, J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. That what? Was a, oh, an amazing teacher. Okay. He was there to weed out the uh, all the non-hackers, basically. <laughs> horrible. Uh, I mean, horrible. Not, he wasn't horrible. He had his method and he, I mean, he found, he did it. He pushed people to the brink and he got perfection. Perfect. Um, I'm going to have to say Paul Rudd in Perks of Being a Wallflower, the English teacher. Oh, okay. He was uh, an amazing teacher in that. Um, I'm going to leave the obvious one for you um, for sure, but I'm going to say Jack Black in School of Rock. I have that too. Uh, so, so good. Um, uh -huh. I would also say um, in the movie Wonder, Julie Roberts, Owen Wilson, and David Diggs. Uh, all good teachers in that Aww. movie. So, that's such a great movie too. 
it is a wonderful movie. I, I really, really like that movie. That's a good school movie, guys. Watch that one. Correct, correct. Um, and I would also say um, Professor Snape in Harry Potter is a good teacher. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say that, even though he's kind of weird, but I would, I would uh, definitely say that. And I would say uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. <laughs> Pretty yeah. good teacher. I'm still uh, trying to digest uh, J.K. Simmons, but that's... If you, if you take a look at what he did, Mm -hmm. this college guy who is in charge of getting the up-and-coming best musicians in the entire world to graduate and become the best musicians he was he's the way to do it like seriously like that that was the way yes i mean i think if somebody was nice and they would not become what they could become i think you need that person in your life yeah you're right you're right i would i would say that so that uh as far as movie wise yes mm -hmm. and then uh tv wise i already mentioned uh mr bergstrom from the simpsons mm -hmm. and uh probably uh mr feeney from boy meets world yeah uh is a pretty pretty great one and then maybe peggy hill from king of the hill um, oh, I didn't know she was a teacher. So she was always a substitute teacher, and she told oh. she taught m multiple subjects. <laughs> but she was always good at it, even though if she would like not do an incredible job, but she always connected with students, and so that I thought that was pretty good. And yeah, for sure. What about you? Okay, so I definitely agree with that. There's a few that I, I had uh, Dewey from School of Rock. Um, cause I agree. I think Jack Black was a great teacher. Um, Sharon Norberry from Mean Girls, Tina Fey's character. I think she's a great teacher. She's a great teacher. Yeah. She was really cool. That. Yeah. She's a good teacher. She actually is one of the, probably the most realistic teacher. Like I would have loved like to have her as a teacher. Right. Um, Miss Honey from Matilda. So sweet. What a great elementary school teacher that would be just cause I mean, yeah, she was great. Um, I don't know who you were thinking is the obvious. I don't know if the obvious for you, like for me, I think John Keating of Robin Williams from Dead Poets Society. Is yeah, one that's, of, yeah, that's what oh, I, was, what? I, was, I was giving to you. Well, yeah. Okay. I just <laughs> want to make sure I was like, oh, I hope I don't disappoint on that. No, but no I yeah, think for sure. Dead Poets Society is in my top three, like all time favorite movies. And it is because Robin Williams is to me just, that is how you teach and, uh, what, it was English class, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah just that was he. I, I love how he would take. He would go beyond the classroom, and it was. Well, if you think about it, School of Rock Dewey's character is yeah. just like that. Yeah, like just same. more comedic. Yeah. Yeah, but like getting, you know, that, that's kind of like the same thing. Yeah, you really appreciate teachers that go out beyond the textbook really like right, and right. that's that's why of course with the john keating that moment oh captain my captain every single time i cry it's just so good it is great yeah yeah and um and then for television i have miss frizzle from magic school bus you want to talk about outside <laughs> the box there i love that show for sure yeah yeah um Okay, so this one's a little iffy. Will Schuster from Glee. I was torn to put him between the worst and good, but I, I went with best just because 
I love the arts. I'm a big, you know, I was a big theater person and I mean, I, I can't sing, so I don't think I would be in a Glee club, but the show Glee does a lot of theatrical elements to it too. So, um, that's how I always like related to it. I really love that. And I just love how much he cared about the arts and his students and, I mean, yes, he was a little too much. I think his shit, he cared too much and sometimes could act like a kid himself, but I, he had a good heart. And um, so, Will Schuster. And then, I mean, I'm going to have to just say again, Mr. Feeney is unrealistically the best teacher of all time. Because, like, when you see Mr. Feeney or you think about him, you kind of think of, like, your dad. Yeah. Like, it, like not like your dad, dad, but, like, he – had so many good qualities that you almost like felt like you were home with him. Like any, mm -hmm. everything's going to be okay with him. Yeah. It was, it was a little much that they made him like there from middle school, high school and college, but it's because we wanted him there. Like I, right, I, yeah. I loved it. And he was such, and it was, they did a great job of showing him also be firm and like, I mean, Mr. Feeney's awesome. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs> Love that guy. We 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 oh. got to get you a big poster of Mr. Feeney so you can frame oh. put up in your place. I I would I would I love it and I love that in by the college years um they bring that I can't remember the actress's name but the woman um the dean who's the dean in the college years and that's his real life wife. Oh really? So, yeah yeah I think that's really cool. that's cool. Mm -hmm. Did not know that. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just going on, talking about great teachers, just curious, who were your favorite teachers that you've had throughout your life? Uh, throughout your life, throughout my life, throughout my life. Anyone's I, seen it? I don't know. You might have had a lot. I have a few that stick out. Yeah, I can't specifically remember anybody from elementary school just because you're just kind of like going through the motions of trying to survive mm -hmm. of like trying to be a person yeah. but in middle school for sure miss hightower my theater teacher oh. she's kind of the one that kind of brought what i could do the theatrical wise acting wise out um and she was always there to commend you and tell you what you did wrong and i was appreciated that she was really mm -hmm. good um and then when i did acting school uh, Ken Nelson and Michael Crabtree, excellent fucking acting teachers right there and theater nice. teachers. And then in high school, uh, English teacher, Mr. Garrett, who kind of got me just passionate about fucking books and literature and movies because he would like show movies and we would read books. And that's Love kind that. of like what we would do in the class. And then we would talk about it. We'd have discussions. Mm -hmm. And so he was the one that kind of showed me like, this is what you kind of look for in the movie. Look at the symbolism, look at how it's shot, look at what they're doing here and mm -hmm. look what they did in the book. Look what they're doing in the book, this magical realism. So that's what really sparked that, you know, fire. Yeah. Uh, and he was, it was such a cool class. Um, Cause I think it was honors English. Uh, so that's off the top of my head. And in college, Kevin Wilmot, of course, a film teacher who is, Spike Lee's right-hand man. He produces and helps write all of Spike Lee's movies. Wow. Um, yeah, Kevin Wilmot. Look him up. He's good stuff. Uh, and then, uh, what was his name? I get one of my English teachers in college. He was so good. Uh, he kind of was like Mr. Garrett in high school, but in college. And because I, I love English and I love reading, I love literature. And then I think these two teachers really got it on how to 
properly read and examine and have thoughts for yourself. So I thought those, those were the most inspiring for sure for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. That's, uh, it's hard because there are so many uh, teachers that have an impact. I would say you're right about elementary. It's a little bit, I don't feel like I could have appreciated them as much until later, but for me, like just, I had my first and second grade teacher was both Miss Mitchell and she was just, I just remember really liking her. And then also my fifth grade teacher, Miss Richardson, um, just one of the sweetest, like those were like the two teachers that I remember the most. And I actually, I can barely remember elementary as well, but they always stood out as just being very kind people. Um, and I loved fifth grade. I think fifth grade was my favorite elementary grade. Uh, and then, but high school is really where I started like appreciating what, te- like I, I never realized, especially later in life, I see how much those teachers impacted me. Um, my English teacher, Miss Kirkland, uh, I had her for two years, but she was the kind of teacher that I didn't even know I liked English. Like it became one of my favorite subjects because of the way one, she taught us how to write research papers in such a, like she did this like way of like you'd uh, section them in index cards and it's really hard to explain, but the way she did it, it was, it made it easy and enjoyable to write a research paper. Um, but also I just loved, she was all about like giving extra credit if you went beyond just doing what the assignment. So she would, she would love it if you did, we were doing a presentation, like you'd have to do like a presentation on a book. Well, she'd be like, if you bake goodies, if you come up with a skit, if you do a song or something or any visual, Oh, Brian, I would go all out. I'd do all of it. (laughs) I would do all of it because it made me excited. It made me so excited to do these projects. So I, was, I would come up with, I would take like songs, like a Backstreet Boys song and change the lyrics to, uh, to something about Patrick Henry. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I, I love it. It's still what I, we would get, I would get my group to dress up in costume. We do like a skit and a dance and we'd bake cupcakes, whatever. I mean, yes, it was great to get the extra credit. We would ace it, but it was so fun. And then it actually made me absorb the material even more just that way. So, and she encouraged that. And I just, she was also another teacher that we'd read the book, watch the movie, compare it. She's the reason why I even like, I, I had seen Count of Monte Cristo beforehand, but then I read the book in her class and it's like my favorite book now. Um, I don't know. She was just so, she made me love English. So I'm forever grateful for that. And, um, Mr. Myers is, he was my freshman biology teacher and he was our crew, the fire truck crew, I was talking about the spirit crew. Uh, he was the, one of the hardest teachers. And he'd always say, I'm not hard. I'm thorough. Like my tests aren't hard. They're thorough. Oh, they were hard. They were so difficult. <laughs> but he would like, yeah, and thorough. You'd kick your ass. But he would allow you to do extra credit, which was nice. And, uh, I just, I loved how he, he expected a lot from, from his students. So he would push us, but also I could tell he valued, um, just based on how he would select his fire truck crew. I feel like he really valued a good student, a hardworking student. And I mean, that class in general, fire truck crew, it was a class too. And it was all about like, um, teaching, I don't know. He just taught like things like basic things of how to do a right handshake, how public speaking, um, 
we would encourage each other. We would write letters to each other of like positive things. And it was, I feel like it honestly just made us like better people. I really like that. He was, he's great to this day. I was still one of my favorite teachers. And then Mrs. Sims is, was my, um, I was a part of the news team in high school too. Senior year, I made the the news team. And that's, I always credit Miss Sim, Mrs. Sims too. If it wasn't for her and being, I, I got the director. I was the director of it, but she let us, she would let us like, she encouraged us to go out and make our own stories, do whatever stories. And I love that. Like literally I, I'm forever grateful for her because we had senior awards day and I was like, okay, well, can we do me and this other guy? We, we did the red carpet at the, at the senior awards. So I'd be like, we're live at the senior awards. And I'd go up to people like, so who are you wearing? Like, and just, it was so fun. <laughs> and I just, I have that. And I'm so happy. I have that. It was like my first red carpet in a way. Can was, I see this? Can you yeah, see this? I, Put it I'll on Instagram, please, as a throwback. Oh my God, how cool. I need to find that DVD. Oh my God, it was so, I, I feel like I'm also a little obnoxious, but uh, it was, I was so excited to do that. And yeah, but anyways, no, Mrs. Sims just really wanted us to, to, to find what we liked in, in something like that, a news station like that. And it's because of her, like before I was going to be a theater major in college and then I switched majors because I was like, wait, I like doing the reporting side of things more. So that was really cool. And then I had a lot of college teachers that, um, that I really enjoyed. I will say high school, I feel like were the ones that really shaped me, but I mean, everybody does, but I, I, I just, uh, shout out to like Mrs. Silk, who was a very hard and intimidating teacher, but she was like a film teacher that I think pushed us to make uh, good films. And then Bud Bouchard, uh, he was a great teacher. And Benshoff, who was one of the hardest teachers in college and just getting a B in his class, I was like, that was probably one of my greatest achievements in college because that's how difficult he was. Um, it was, it was a film analysis class. I think it's what it was, but I love the way he taught us how to do, um, like analyze film. So I was I like, like that. I, I love that. <laughs> no, I like that. And it, it brought me, uh, it reminded me of one teacher I definitely have to mention, um, mm -hmm. who, uh, Mr. Martinez, Hugo Martinez, who was the band director in middle school. Um, and I think he like went, uh, he became a superintendent, principal, and stuff like that. But I wish he was still doing band directing. But and I would love to look this guy up. Out of any of the teachers, I would love to look him up because him and I were on like the same level. And I'll tell uh. you a story about that. Uh, so he's the one that got me interested at age in middle school, which you know sixth grade. I don't remember how old I was, probably 12, 11. He's mm -hmm. the one that got my passion of movie scores. He was a huge movie score person. And in oh. his office, in the band room, he'd have all these CDs of movie scores. And oh. he would talk to me about it because I was really interested in that. And like none of the kids were. And so we would talk about that. And he was such a good teacher, both like in and out of the classroom type of thing. And, mm -hmm. um, but I remember we would come on the same wavelength <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. And I don't know if it'll be funny now, but him and I were talking outside of the band room at one point. And then this one girl, uh, her name was Scarlett. 
and she was just this uh she was kind of popular but she was kind of like real quirky and she mm -hmm. came in between us walking in between us and she said something really goofy and she just keeps walking in and then mr martinez and i look at each other and at the same time, same speed, same tone, we say, she is so weird. <laughs> and like verbatim in unison. <laughs> and we just, we died laughing at that point. Uh, and she and Scarlett heard us and she started laughing, but uh, that oh, was just, uh, yeah, no, it was really funny. <laughs> we were like, yeah. so, cause so, we were just having a conversation and she just comes right in between us and says something really goofy to us. And we just said that and it was so good, but he was such a great teacher um, in helping me perfect uh, the instruments and stuff like that. So I thought that was really, really cool. So um, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, Mr. Martinez, definitely a huge influence for sure in my, as you can That's see great. in the background, movies yeah galore so yeah, yeah that's our that's our main event did we cover it all i think we did i i, th I do i just you know rounding out and just especially reflecting on all these great teachers that we had i just want to really i know how hard just as having friends that are teachers I, I we feel for you guys we appreciate you guys like thank you for all that you do if you're not getting enough if people aren't you know, I know some, some people are not giving the appreciation y'all deserve, but clearly just hearing us talk about the teachers that impacted us, I know there's so many people out there that remember the, the te other teachers and yeah, thank you teachers and good luck with the new school year. For sure. Thank you. We thank you. We, we need you. Y'all mm -hmm. need all the monies and all the support. So yes, we love you guys. We um, love you. So moving on to the blind watch of the week. Yeah. Susan, it was my pick. It was my blind watch. I got to pick it. And I do believe, Mr. Beauregard, that it is our first serious movie that we have done. Yeah, I think it was. It was so serious. <laughs> so I, the movie I picked uh, this for this episode um, mm -hmm. is called The King of Devil's Island. Mm. Um, and it might be Susan's favorite movie of the year, right? By favorite, you mean I hated it? Yeah. <laughs> so The King of Devil's Island uh, is well, such... I love it. It's a, actually, it's a great movie, but it is very difficult to watch for its subject matter. But it's, uh, it came out in 2011, um, and it really wasn't released here in a big way. It was, uh, it's, a, it's a Norwegian film. So it came out in Norway in 2010 and then other places in 2011. It's about 120 minutes, uh, and it's directed by Marius Holst which um, I don't know if you would recognize anything he's done just because he is Norwegian and he's not, hasn't really made a U.S. film yet. But it does star Stellan Skarsgård, uh, which you would know, and then everybody else you probably would not recognize. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's the film. So I had never seen this. I had never really heard about it. Um, but... I was researching, you know, some real, I, I really just wanted like a really, really good movie that I hadn't seen yet. And between Susan and I, it's very difficult uh, because it would be a much easier segment, blind watch 
for both of us if we could recommend something that yeah. the other person hasn't seen, but we have seen, but we're going, we're doing this the hard way and we want to do something we both haven't seen. So between the two of us, it's very difficult to do. So I was researching and hoping that I would find a movie that we both had seen and I landed on the King of Devil's Island. And currently I think it has like a 98% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I really never heard about it. And I kind of read a little bit about the movie and then I watched it and I was like, oh man, yes, it is very difficult to watch. Uh, and it's not one of those movies I think you'd want to watch over and over again. Uh, but it's an, it's an actually good movie from top to bottom, visually, storytelling, acting wise. But Susan, what were your expectations going into the movie? What did you think? And then what did you think after? I think expectations, I already was dreading it. I was like, I was kind of like, oh, crap. This looks intense. Because I looked at the trailer, I read the description. I was like, oh, this is going to be like kids getting abused in some way or other. And that's what it was. And I do not like that. I, it is, I don't like abuse especially to like young children going to someplace where they shouldn't, especially like in a, cause that's not school. They're in a prison, but still people have rights and they definitely don't deserve to be some of the stuff that happens in that movie. That is like ridiculous the way they're treated. Um, so it was a very tough watch for me. Like uh, I'm actually glad we were texting through it because I was like, fuck this movie. Uh, Yes. Hey, that's, I think that's some of the text she said. <laughs> yeah. Like, technically, the movie is good. Of course, the performances are wonderful. It shot well. Yeah, as on paper, it's a great film. But if you're not into seeing teenage young boys get abused in different ways you can imagine... Uh, or just like it's just very uncomfortable and it's just a tough watch and it's based on a true story so that makes it worse um yeah i like never want and then it's like to me it because it's a true story it's not a, a satisfying ending it wasn't for me i was not satisfied i was more like you gotta be shitting me so yeah yeah they were piling piling it on for sure uh mm -hmm. so Initial thoughts. I, I, I felt that I, I was real excited about this movie because, you know, I, I like strange stuff if it's done well. Uh, and afterwards, I was really I really liked it. I really enjoyed the movie. However, it's very difficult to watch. And it's one of those that I probably won't watch a whole lot. Like I'd watch it again, <laughs> but it's something like I, I got to watch this. No. So uh, a little synopsis on the movie itself. Uh, so it takes place in the early 1900s um, on a like this boarding school slash prison for you know unruly kids like young kids and they come to this school and it's run by a few people and the headmaster played by Stellan Skarsgård and who's kind of like the warden and as we see the staff and warden are super abusive and torturous and even sexually abusive to the kids. And there's just like no way really off the island, even though they said, if you do good, you're getting off the island, but it doesn't seem like anybody really gets off uh, the island really. And of course, being in Norway, an island on Norway. So it's kind of like Alcatraz in a way where it's an island off the coast yeah. of Norway. So there's like really no escaping it. And so, 
in real life, this happened, all this abuse was happening and the kids uh, all rose up and rebelled um, against everybody. And, you know, they, it was great, but then of course they sent the military in and it was violent and stuff like that. So that's kind of like this movie shows um, that aspect, like these few months of when that happened. And uh, did I give a, a decent? Yeah, uh, no, I think you covered it. That's a great way to describe the film. That's exactly what it was. And I just think that it's just tough because like uh, all that stuff that Brian said, yeah, like, they, I mean, and on top of that, they're like starving, clearly. Like they're not being fed well uh, to the point where they'll eat like dead animals and uh, poisonous fruits, which I mean, I know that's, or vegetables, which I know it's like, what's sad is their safe haven is actually to get, get injured and be in the infirmary is actually probably the safest place for them to right. be. That's yeah. so sad. Yeah, it was very sad. So, and what I think about this movie, I mean, yes, it's really done well. And I don't think it was trying to be like political or social or anything like that. I think it was just there to show what happened. Yeah. Uh, simple as that. Like just show the atrocities, what, these boys did what you know how the staff tried to brainwash these kids into thinking they were bad and that nothing would ever good happen for them Mm -hmm. and just how maybe maybe a little bit of political content of showing how actual politics and people in charge can abuse their power yeah you know something like that but yeah no it it's a movie that doesn't give you hope in a big way and it's it's a constant barrage of like downers (laughs) yeah it's just i've seen films like that and that's definitely i think that's what it was was another example of abuse of power and it reminded me of i cannot remember the the full title that that experiment film with michael arenagro um oh yeah the the, is it the stanford experiment or the Harvard something like that yeah so that's another one's a tough watch. Like I never want to watch it again, but I, I will say that was a really great movie. And uh, I think that maybe because, I mean, it's another true story, but I think I was more satisfied with the ending of what it was because, you know, afterwards, because that film is about group of guys who wants to play prisoner and who wants to pay, play guard. And you see exactly what happens when you get to abuse your power, when you're the ones in charge. And, but like when it's all over, I like that. That was like my favorite part of the film is seeing how after when it was all over, everyone's like, what, you wouldn't be friends with me after that? Like, what? Everything's cool. Like, I I don't know. It just had a more of a satisfying ending. Whereas with this, but again, I know it's a true story. It, it didn't leave me. What's the right word? Like, you know, where after you watched all that, sometimes you watch all this like torture and crap but there's something a little bit at the end. You're like, okay, it was worth it. I didn't feel it was worth it at the end of this one. At the end of this one, I was just like, fuck this movie. That's what I felt. Yeah. Like I said, there's, there's no, there's no big redeeming, yeah, redeeming aspect. I mean, yes. One of the most abused kids gets off the Island. He's older and a little bit, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he's sailing. Just one. It's just one. Yeah. Just one. But like yeah. to get there and just for that little moment, like it's just, man, we went through a lot and you, you want more. And I guess that's the Hollywood ending in us. But Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like shit that happened and it's just kind of 
horrific to watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, But acting wise and visually wise, the movie was shot really well. They looked like they got the period pieces and dialogue was good. Yeah, no, it it was good. Even though it's like cool most of the time cinematography, Mm -hmm. like it's like a murky, decaying, tonally, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which set the tone for the whole uh, environment. I get that. I, I um and and I do think films like this are important because I do agree like we need to we it's history, right? Like you need to see history so we're not doomed to repeat it. But I just as a personal preference and I'm being biased because I just don't like watching these kinds of movies like where I just felt like I I was tortured and I got nothing out of it. Well, I mean, I I, I feel and, I mean, Brian looked it up afterwards to to see what the prison was like now, and I guess it's in a better situation. But I can't it's still believe- a prison. <laughs> yeah, it's still a prison. Um, but at least you said it wasn't like it's it's for adults at least now. It's, it's, yeah, it's for adults, um, and I think it's like more of a not punishment but rehab. So yeah, the prisoners grow their own food. They get to fish. They have tennis courts. They have all of that stuff. It's yeah. it's very minimum security type of thing, but. I mean, it's still like, that's crazy to still have a prison that was, did that back in the day. Like it's, it's yeah. weird, you know? Well, and, and that was a thing. Like, I mean, I know one of the main characters we find out, like, I guess he, do we even know, did he murder somebody? Did he actually murder somebody or was it the it, whale? It's alluded to that yeah. he killed somebody. But okay. It, but you don't know, like they don't you say, don't like it could have been an accident. It could have been, I mean, he's a kid. He's so. a kid. And, but then we do hear of like some other people like, and their stuff is so small to be sent there. I yeah. was like, what? That's why you're there? Come on. And this is, this is 1915. The movie takes place in 1915. So some of these kids might've been there beforehand. And, but this is like the early 1900s. So there wasn't a whole lot of technology or anything like that really. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's some good stuff and it looked like a pretty decent budget because there's like some big ships in the movie. And uh, so, you know, setting fire to things. Like I enjoyed it. I don't know. It's, It's one of those movies that, you're not going to recommend to somebody, but if they're in the mood for something like historical or something in this vein, you would, mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend this movie for that. But just to like watch with people, no, 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 no not for sure. Even though it's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. I can't really recommend it. I mean, it's free on Amazon prime it's included. So if you, if you like this type of film and that's like you, you enjoy it, then by all means go for it. But I think there's a lot more, like during this time, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> right. We're, we're, we're all wanting geek charming. Yeah. Geek charming. <laughs> I don't know. Even, I mean, like I said, I don't mind. I told you like the Stanford experiment, that one was just like different. That, that like something more good came out. Like nobody dies. So like maybe that's better. I don't know. Right. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it, crazy movie. It's called The King of... Um, not the King of Staten Island, but the King yeah, of Devil's Island. Yeah, I just want to call it. King, of, <laughs> King Devil's of Devil's Island. Yeah. Uh, if you're curious, yes, like Susan said, it is on Amazon Prime for free. Check it out. Um, but if you're in a mind space where you don't want anything heavy, definitely don't watch mm-hmm. it. <laughs> exactly. 
So there you go. That's our blind watch. Next episode will be Susan's pick, and I'm sure it's going to be the complete opposite of what we just watched. It will be Geek Charming 2, hopefully. <laughs> I wish there was a second one. No. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it won't be that, though. It will not be that movie. It will be something happy. Um, and now we're on to our last segment, honorable mentions, basically where we talk about what we're watching, what we want to suggest to you, what we're, we're watching and everything. So Susan. Uh, well, one of probably up there, my, one of my favorite films this year actually is yes, God. Yes. It stars, uh, Natalia Dwyer. I don't know if I say her name, but she plays Nancy in, uh, stranger things. Uh, okay. Uh, so before you go into that, yes, God, yes, that sounds like somebody, something somebody would say during sex. Yes. And okay. that is the point. So okay, they, word. <laughs> basically she is a Catholic schoolgirl in high school who goes to this like retreat to better herself basically. Um, and, but at, while this all is going on, she's also exploring like masturbation for the first, like understanding like porn and just, but she feels so guilty about it. And so this is interesting because I went to Catholic school in middle school and this, I didn't go to high school, but I, I do think film and everybody's experience is different, but I do think film dramatizes it a little bit more. I mean, like I said, I, I was in middle school, but I'm pretty sure I had friends who went to Catholic high school. They did not talk about sex at all. They did not like try to, but they're trying to show you the extreme of how religion can be used as almost like a tool to be like, if you even think about having sex when you're not married, you will burn in hell. And it's just like, like any, any sin that you do, you're threatened with the thought of like going straight to hell. And I do have other friends who have experienced like just being part of just church. Like, I guess there are some churches that really will try to scare you to that extreme, which I hate because I feel like that does deter you from like the actual, like if you do believe in God, just not being so scared. Uh, Cause you can have it both. I, I believe that like you can believe in God and not fear for your life because you have a wet dream or something. Uh, but anyways, it was really funny. And I love the message that it gave, which was that essentially. And uh, it's short. It's like 83 minutes, something like that. And it's lighthearted. So, and it's available on demand. And I highly recommend that one. I want to watch this. Oh, I think you'd really like it, Brian. You should totally check it out. Um, there's, there's a lot of good. Oh, and it's, you're going to laugh. It's uh, the, a co-writer of Obvious Child wrote this movie so. i knew there was something to this no but that's not <laughs> why it really it's, it's it's really good honestly it is it has uh it's it's got it's a great i don't know it's it's good i liked it i can't it's not like it we don't have a lot to choose from so when i say it's one of my favorite films i don't have a lot to compare it to because of this year where it's slim pickings but this one was a good one i i really did enjoy it um, then on Netflix, they just released, uh, work it starring Sabrina Carpenter. I thought I was going to watch this cheesy lame. Cause I've watched some of these Netflix, like teeny bopper films and they're terrible. I think one of the last times we were on here, I told you one not to watch. Uh, this one was actually 
you know, the kid in me would have loved this movie. Great dancing. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy it. It was cute. It was cute and fun. The acting was pretty decent. Um, it's a great, like, one for the kiddos and stuff. So that's on Netflix. Enjoy it. Uh, and then what was the other one I had? Oh, The Kissing Booth too. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the first one. Did you watch the first one? Kissing of, Booth? Uh, yes, I did watch the first one. I didn't watch the second one. Did you like it? It's okay. So okay. I, I think I like the, yeah, yeah. Again, it's for Netflix. Uh, I like the first one more. Uh, the second one, they definitely have a bigger budget. It's a lot more to the storylines, way more details, more characters, all that, which, but they do a great job of moving the story forward, literally right from where it picked up the last time. Um, so it, it was good. I, I, like I said, there are definitely a lot of flaws and super cheesy, but if you watch the first one, I definitely recommend watching the second one. I think you'll Oh, enjoy it. And then Trevor and I have been watching uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I had never seen from the very beginning. I only saw some episodes here and there. It's one of my husband's favorite shows. And uh, it's just, a, it's on Hulu. Um, and I'm enjoying it. It's a, it's a great, if someone's looking for an old show to binge, I'd recommend that. It's wonderful. And I'm glad you're watching it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. What have I watched recently? Um, so there's a Shutter TV series called Cursed Films, and it's uh, I believe five episodes, five or six episodes, and it's like a little docu series on uh, why some of the horror movies are cursed, such as like The Omen and Poltergeist and The Exorcist and Yeah, uh, The Crow, and talks about like how all the people died and stuff like that. Actually, it should talk about that. This show, don't fucking see it. This is actually a lesson on how not to fucking make a TV show. It is oh, god fucking awful. Curse I films. didn't know that's where this was going. Don't watch it. It is a fucking turd sandwich. And most of the people in there who are talking uh, are just stupid and idiotic, don't know what they're talking about. And all the filmmakers they have in there... It the best part is basically them seeing how much they don't want to be there talking about it, and wow. it, it's horrible. Cursed films, don't see it. Expect a review on High Def Digest very soon about it, and it's going to be such a fun review to uh, to write. Send me your review of that because I did not see you like shitting on this. That's a, that's like amazing. Y'all should see like the transition he made from it's like it's adorable. Don't watch this. I thought you were about to be like it's awesome. Nope, never mind. <laughs> Always mess with your minds, but yes, no, this show sucked. Uh, and it, it, it basically my review will be the Wikipedia article about the the film is better than the actual thing. Like that's how and yeah. like. If you read Wikipedia, it's usually not good. It just gives you information. It's all the information you need. And it's, they go on so many horrible tangents. It's, it's so bad. Ugh. <laughs> yes, so there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I want to definitely recommend, um, okay. Criterion Collection released the Bruce Lee Collection. Uh, on their Criterion set. And it is mm -hmm. everything you want more. If you're a Bruce Lee fan, uh, you get six films. Wonderful. All the extras, all the bonus features. They look great. They sound good. And all in one set, uh, the Bruce Lee collection. It's called His Greatest Hits. It's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful movies. And if you've never seen 
any of the Bruce Lee films, I highly recommend it because they are actually good. Bruce Lee's really great in it and Tarantino borrowed heavily from all the Bruce Lee films for Kill Bill. Uh, it really good. Uh, hell of a set if you can find it. Uh, but watch them. Uh, Criterion oh. Collection for sure. And other than that, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Kind of a slow kind of week or two for movies and TV watching. I'm sure there will be yeah. some very soon. Uh, but yes, that uh, wraps up No BS with Brian and Susan, episode 11. I think we turned it up to 11 in this episode because we're going on two and a half hours now. <laughs> oh, shit. They but it doesn't a lot to talk about. It doesn't seem like it. We have no, fun here. I didn't realize it was that long. Oh my god. Yeah, it's almost 12:30. We started almost at 10 or a little after 10. Sorry y'all. <laughs> no, no. Hey, I think everybody liked it. It brings back these school memories. Yeah. Uh, so Susan, always a pleasure. Where can everybody find you? You can find me at thischickslicks.com, ictn.tv or YouTube channel um, City of Irving uh instagram facebook just google me i'm there google susan uh you can find me brian at boomstick comics high def digest screen rant youtube and instagram as well as the this podcast itunes spotify iHeartRadio, stitcher radios type in the multimedia men uh and you'll find all the shows we're doing we're doing wrestling shows we're doing no bs my bloody podcast we're doing we're interviewing celebrities and composers it's it's a lot of fun so we'll be back next time with no bs with uh brian and susan 